Thank you, Poncho Man. Welcome, everybody. Breakfast with Bob. Not quite Kona edition. My name is Bob Babbitt. We are brought to you by Hoka One One by Master Spas, Clash USA, You Can Hyper Ice Premium Plus Sports, Form Smart Swim Goggles, and of course, our Challenged Athletes Foundation. Our next guest, the Olympic gold medalist, Mr. Christian Blumenfeld from Norway. Christian, so excited for you. Congratulations. Thank you very much. It's uh, really good to be back on your show. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a really fun weekend of racing. Came here to St. George two days ago now, and we're looking through the course yesterday. And uh, it's a pretty good uh, course, challenging, rolling, tough conditions. And uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be an epic race. It's, it suits you well. Yeah, I, th- I think it's uh, a course that suits me well. Like it's uh, a strength-based kind of bike course with all the hills rolling up. I thought of kind of the main climb would be a little bit more steeper, but it's kind of just, you're just kind of rolling up and suddenly you are at the top. But um, I think the run course, it's kind of the toughest part of it. It's like uh, never any sections of flat uh, at all. It's either slightly uphill or you're just smashing it downhill into the transition or finish again. So um, it's a really tough course. So I was watching some of your, some of the video and I had, I'd never seen anything when you guys were on your trainer and it looked like it was a, like a full room treadmill, right? It looked like a, a rolling carpet of, of, uh, of treadmill. I've never seen anything like that. Is that new? Uh, we've had it. Uh, for maybe six, seven years in Bergen. So it's like a three by three meters uh, treadmill where you can go do like, uh, you can be a, like a group uh, ride uh, or you can go for skiing or uh, whatever you want. So it's, uh, we, we used it to work with like bike, uh, do, do little, little uh, simple bike fit before this. So I had like the view to master on to measure the oxygen intake and trying to find like a, a comfortable position where I felt strong and um, also a little bit air as well. So when we chatted before Nice 70.3, which seems forever ago, we, we I was saying, gosh, you took 13th in Rio and that was great. And you were like, yeah, yeah. In Norway, if you're not on podium, if you don't get a medal, nobody really cares. On the U.S., if you make the Olympics, that's great. But in Norway, because we have so many medalists, unless you come home with a medal, it, it doesn't matter. That, that, that was then. How have things changed now that you are the Olympic gold medalist? Well, it's true. Like, uh, if you want to stand out in Norway, you, you need to get that medal or ideally the gold medal. So now it's obviously something we have been working for for like 10 years since we started up with the youth national team back in 2009. Yeah, at the 2020 Olympic Games in the mine, and we had like this um, uh, long-term goal and support that uh, either in Tokyo or in actually in Paris as well. We had like that's where, where when we supposed to perform and supposed to win. So um, we have had this kind of long uh, kind of belief in the program that um, 
uh, and also in the end it were a gold medal that we were working towards so it was a massive relief not just for me but like for the whole team uh, and everyone has been involved because uh, it has been 10 years of uh, really hard dedicating work not just from from my side but from from everyone so when i mean when you look at uh like you said 10 years ago you guys targeted the 2020 games in tokyo this is where we're gonna we're gonna medal did when you got on the team in 16 did you look at it that it's a little bit of a bonus i get to check this out see what the olympics is like you know maybe i'll have a great day and win something but if not the real goal is 2020. well in 2016 like uh, all my focus then were the 2016 games like uh of course i knew that i had a 2020 coming up four or five years later but uh that year was all about doing everything i could and i was dreaming about getting a medal back then as well but uh, i think it just came like one year early uh but it was it was a good experience to be in the game and uh it was kind of it just made me more hungry for performing in the next game well and then then you're you really were on fire in in 2017 and 18 you know uh you were what how many different silver medals you get montreal edmonton bermuda stockholm and then and did that again in uh in stockholm 2017 so did you come away from Rio going, okay, I, I'm on the right path here and uh, I think I can do something really great. Did you change things from after the Olympics to 2017 and 18? Because it seemed to be a huge growth uh, for you. Yeah, or I think it's a little bit of that kind of grappling going from being a junior to elite. So yes. uh, also back then I was uh, last year as a junior in 2013, I got an injury, a stress fracture that took me out for nine months from running yeah. and then when i was able to run again the olympic qualification has already started because it starts like two years out from the games so it was i always had like good progress year by year but it's it's all just kind of the time that uh, you need to climb through the rankings and uh, i did uh, kind of win a world cup or two world cups in 2016s as well and also being on the podium in yokohama so it's not like i've never been on the podium before right. but it's just kind of the consistency of being there more and more so it i think it just takes a bit of year to just get that foundation so one of the obviously that 2018 year when uh when you guys were in bermuda and casper wins it and you're second and gustav's third to me that was sort of capsulized what you guys were working for that we feel we can be a dominant country in this sport and we just swept the podium and, you know, you, you did it again. You guys did it again when you won in uh, Bahrain, right? Where you won and Gustav was second and Casper uh, was third. Did, coming away from those two type of experiences, that had to be so special. Going back to 2009, basically it's nine, 10 years of you guys working towards that goal. Yeah, for sure. I think that has been some of the success in the team. The fact that we've been... Uh dreaming about uh, getting to the top since we were like juniors kind of training together and i think that makes it easier to feel that when i'm performing it's kind of uh it's on them as well and vice versa if they're winning i can feel a little bit proud because i, I know that i've been part of their success as well so uh uh 
and I think it also makes uh, the kind of the level in the daily training to increase because I get to see some of the best uh, athletes in the world uh, showing up to the practice every day that I'm doing. So if I have a little day off, like uh, where I'm not 100%, uh, I will be beaten up quite easily. So I always need to do the preparation right before the training and uh, to be able to... Uh, yeah, uh, perform. Now, do you, Casper and, and Gustav, train together a lot? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, we do all the camps together, and we're all also all from the same town in Norway, in Bergen. So we do, like, uh, when we're home, we do all the swims together, and then uh, casually meeting up for the, the track sessions or tough bike sessions or the longer ones. Uh, and then we do, for example, going into Tokyo, we were... I think seven months on training camps together uh, in a row because we didn't like when I left in January, I was on the travel until the games uh, together wow. with them the whole time. So it, it's like the ones that I, I see the most. And knowing how hot it was going to be in Tokyo, what did you guys do to train for the heat? Because it's it's everything from the equipment you're wearing to hydration to so many other factors. Yeah, so I think uh, after uh, Rio, when we kind of changed our focus towards Tokyo, we immediately knew that it would be the heat would uh, play like uh, uh, a thing in the in the race, and so we tried to understand the science and dig in there and get some experience. We went to Thailand a couple of times to get like the experience on the body and uh, test out some different things. And so we were able to build up a good heat protocols and strategy for the race that we also did in the test event in 2019, where yeah. we were like, uh, yeah, did our heat acclimation there before the test event. And the plan was just to copy and paste basically for 2020. But unfortunately, we could, wasn't able to do the same traveling because of the restrictions there. Right. So... But uh, yeah, we, we just try to take all the senses we're using and understand uh, how it's impacting our body. And also we've been working with like a lot of our, our partners. So for example, we developed this uh, new tri-suit with the new fabric to be able to deal with the uh, heat better. So we use these kind of core sensors to measure like uh, how, how well the different fabrics in the suit were uh, impacting uh, uh, or running and cycling so uh like standing on the start line and knowing that uh we are not not just have done the training as good as we could but also we have like the best equipment for the race it's uh something that gives us a lot of confidence so uh the race itself we had obviously the, the false start which i don't think i've ever seen before with a, with a freaking yacht in the middle of the area I'm like someone could have dove into that thing and it had been a real problem now were you on the guys who dove in or were you on the other side yeah well i was on the right side so i was uh, diving in and i think also like felix duchamp was i think he was the one who was jumping in in front of the boat and trying to kind of kick underneath because <laughs> uh, uh yeah that was uh could have been much more dangerous than it big time up. yeah so it was good that no one got injured there but it, it was strange because uh, I was like standing on the pontoon there and I saw this, um, they, they were like saying like one minute to start because then you could take off your ice, ice west. Uh, and then I still kind of saw the boat 
going just in front of me. Yeah. And you saw, I think, one of the guys in the boat was kind of giving a signal to the guy who was driving, like, hey, come on, quick, quick, quick up. We need to get out of the way. Like, probably someone was uh, saying that it was maybe just a few seconds to the start. But uh, he would just keep uh, driving very slowly. And then I was thinking, okay, this is probably going to take uh, another minute. And then a few seconds later, the start signal came. So um, I remember thinking, like, uh that was coming quickly and probably the boat is still kind of over on the left side uh but uh kind of you, you just dive in and uh, go but if go take it as it goes and uh, i wasn't too surprised when i saw the kayaking coming up and uh, stopping the field and uh, having to pull herself back and doing it another time that is so funny. So you 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 pretty much led the chase pack on the bike to to, to bridge back up, and once you were there, you were I'm, I'm sure you, you wanted to try to get rid of as many people as possible. Was there a point where you realized, okay, we're not going to be able to drop anybody else. We're going to be coming into transition together here. Well, I didn't really try to drop anyone. It was more because I, I did expect it to be a 10K run race there where I had to run away from Alex E, a guy who just put like over a minute on me in the leads like a few weeks yes. earlier. So I thought that I could run really well over 10K, but then uh, so, so, so my plan for the race were not to spend too much energy on the bike, just trying to hide, David. Uh, waiting for that uh, T2, yeah. to make sure that we are coming even off the bike and then uh, getting onto that bell lap uh, and just going from there. So on the bike, and, and also I knew that the, the first pack uh, with the strong swimmers, they were probably lacking uh, some bike power there. Right. Because um, especially with the lack of Alistair, uh, yes. they don't really have the kind of the same power in the front. So, um, uh, That's a really good point because Alistair was the guy yelling at people, right? Yeah, and well, without him there, people just look at each other. Yeah, so I, I felt like we had really good control on them uh, and uh, kind of letting them kind of believing that they could break away for the first 20K is probably yeah. just putting some fatigue in their legs before the run. So I think I could have easily have reached up uh, much earlier if I wanted to, but then again... What's the point if I don't want to keep pushing? So exactly. I, I was like sharing the work with uh, maybe four or five guys in my pack. And halfway through, we bridged up. And then from there on, it was basically just sitting on uh, Matthew Sharp's wheel and uh, the Canadian and uh, yeah, trying to just stay up front and taking kind of getting through the technical sections as safe as possible without crashing out. Because in 20, 2019, I was in really good shape, but I ended up crashing out of the race with like a lap and a half to go. Oh. I just wanted to be in a good position and coming off the bike safely. So when, when you've had a race, a recent race with someone like an Alex Yee, and he's put a lot of time into you on the run, in his mind, he's thinking, okay, uh, not much changes in a, in a month or so. He's not going to be running that much faster. I can, I can outrun him. So he had to feel confident coming off the bike with you because he just outrun you. But at the same time, you knew you had saved a lot of energy on the bike. And were you, 
it didn't sound, it doesn't sound like you were intimidated by going against a guy who just put a lot of time into you in a 10k. Well, yeah, well, I also was able to run away from him in Yokohama. But then I think he had a little bit stomach issues. Uh, so I think uh, he, Even. he knew that uh, we kind of, there were more guys who could run well. Yes. Uh, but uh, for me, it was in Leeds, it was more kind of a hamstring thing where I felt like I was more cramping up after the tough cycle. So I just did some changes there. And I think uh, changing my position on the bike was helping me for Tokyo. So when you're uh, you're in a group like that, it, it is stifling hot out. It, and you don't want to be wait for a sprint with Alex Yee. The last thing you want is to be see the see the blue carpet with Alex Yee still there. He, you got to get rid of him. But making a move with a K to go, that is a long sprint. That is a long, long sprint. I remember interviewing uh, Jan Ferdano, and he talked about going into 2008. Every workout he did was based on winning the gold in Beijing. And he did a sprint, a 200-yard sprint at the end of every single workout, knowing it was going to come down to that. Was it that type of thing where you knew, if I'm going to beat this guy, I've got to go early and take him a little by surprise, and then I've, I've got to hold on? Yeah, like uh, I don't really have the leg speed as you got like for the last uh, two, three hundred meters. So normally right. what I do is that I go from like 2K or, or 1,500 meters from the yeah. finish line. And that's something I do quite often in training. Like when we do this brick sessions, maybe five times bike to run, we'll do maybe five, six minutes on the bike and then running a 2K off the bike. Right. Uh, often the last one is like all out for the run. And I just try to kind of imagine myself uh, running in, in a race there, like sprinting as hard as I can for 2K. And I try yeah. to get into the same mindset in the race where I'm just going as fast as I can for, yeah, I'm almost a mile. And uh, it's uh, it's kind of that tricky place of the race where I've been out for quite a long time and it still feels like uh, the finish line is far away. So, it was far away. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's like a, a mentally uh, a good place to go because uh, a lot of the competitors is kind of, uh, struggling as well because it's a tough place to go. Oh, so you're running 29:34 in that heat, and you're. I was watching with a group from our tri club of San Diego. We had like 100 people in a room, and you guys were all lined up, and everybody's like, "When do you think that somebody's going to need to make a break?" I'm like, "Now," and that's right when you took off. <laughs> I'm like, and they're like, "Isn't that too early?" I'm like, "We'll find out." <laughs> was there was was there a point where you wondered if you went too early? And uh, not after I got a gap. Like uh, I tried with two k to go, like uh, just to kind of starting to uh, step up the pace. Like and then uh, I think second time trying, uh, I was actually a bit surprised that I got the gap already because I thought that I had to try to break away like another three or four times before getting that final gap. So I was a little bit surprised that like, like, oh, wow. Like the, the gap, Where are they? like uh, it, it's in the Olympic games and I actually had like 10 meters gap now. And, and, and then that's kind of giving me like a boost of energy to just keep pushing up. That's kind of slightly uphill before doing the 180 degrees downhill again. And then uh, just, 
accelerating on the flat section before the pontoon again or the and the blue carpet so um yeah i was a little bit surprised that i got the gap on kind of my second try so i thought it would be a much closer sprint for for the for the gold so coming across that line and knowing that journey from 2009 to now and it's it's one thing to say okay in 10 years we're going to go to the olympics and we're going to win the olympic we're going to limp, win an olympic medal but to actually do it what was what was that feeling like for you it was uh, a massive relief because like as you said we we've been going out quite uh, vocally and said like especially in Norwegian media and said like we can guarantee you that we we will win that gold medal in Tokyo so uh like that's a of, hell of a guarantee yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I said like uh, we had a journalist with us in the Gold Coast in uh, Nusa and uh, he asked like uh, yeah but what what place are you going to get in Tokyo and we said like yeah we will guarantee you we will take that gold medal so the headline was getting that like guaranteeing gold medal in Tokyo right so uh, i knew that kind of everything else then uh, winning the race would kind of feel like uh, it's something that would be scratching on my mind until paris at least and it's it's just a massive relief to actually do what we have said we would do and of course happiness and uh, uh yeah just happy for the team because it's it's not just uh, me who has been putting uh, down all the work it's been the, the team like the coaches and uh, the sponsors and everyone who's been involved so i mean really you got first gustav got eighth and casper got 11th in the olympic games three kids from the same town yeah from the same school as well yeah so, i mean that's 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 you know that's a fairy tale Right? That's something that, that Hollywood would go, okay, that's not real. We can never talk about that. We can't make a movie about that. But that that happened. What is the feeling like in your, you know, in your hometown now when when the three of you come back? Well, it, it was really cool. Like uh, and also Bergen has never had any Olympic individual gold medals in the summer sports before. We got our first uh, gold medal on the winter side uh, three years ago. Yeah. So uh to also get the, the the Olympic gold medal on the summer side was really cool for the city, and uh, we also kind of uh, as athletes we set ourselves new goals kind of after the race, and uh, we wanted to win uh, Hawaii as well. So we immediately kind of changed the focus, trying to like I had to first get ready for Frankfurt to qualify. So I had like a week of arm and training there before I got the wild card. So I was yes. Focus again on the grand final, and yeah. uh, it was really cool to be able to take the grand final and the World Series as well in the same year. Uh, and also, it gives me more time to prepare for St. George, as the corner has been postponed to February. So, uh, yeah, it's been really cool to take uh, the Olympics and the World Championship title, and now hopefully I can add on another one this weekend. Right. And how have things changed in Norway in terms of the awareness for triathlon? Because, you know, three of the best people in the world uh, are, are are from a small town in Norway. Yeah, it's strange to see like how many who's been kind of uh, seen the race and kind of know kind of what we did in Tokyo. Because normally when we race like uh, do a race and win something like in the World Series and come back home, like nobody has really seen what we've done but now right. like when i'm out for a run maybe in the town it can be like 
three or four people uh, like uh, either like giving a thumbs up and saying well done congratulations like uh, supporting like uh, on the on a normal training session and it's really cool to see that uh, so many has uh, been aware of what we have done and hopefully like the dream is to be able to get an event at home in Bergen so they're working on it now to get something next year in yeah. downtown in Bergen like like they have in Bermuda and in Leeds and that would be really special if it's possible to get a, a hometown uh, race well, that's what happened with the Brownleys, right? That leads came from from Alistair and Johnny make, making that happen. So it, it was funny. People were saying, gosh, if uh, Christian goes to Kona and he hasn't done an Ironman before, how he's going to be a factor. I'm like, you guys, people sort of forget that when Luke Von Lierde came over in 1996, he had never run a marathon. He had never done an Ironman. He was invited to come over because at that point you didn't have to qualify. And he mm. set the course record. He broke the course record his first time out and ran a, a, a 241 or so marathon. So you guys do the long training. I, I can't imagine that you're intimidated by, you know, by the 140.6 miles. No, and I also think what a lot of people don't kind of understand is how much way into science, how much uh, kind of uh, how professional a training is. And it's, it's uh, we have, uh, I have a lot of support like from, for my team and probably the best support that like there's no long distance athletes who is even there to have this kind of support to do the testing they're doing the lab and the understanding there so i think we have um, even though i've never done an iron man before i think uh i have a really good uh, kind of knowledge of uh, how i can pace how i can train and how i can uh, get fit for the race and also we did a lot of uh, heat preparation going into Tokyo. So yes. the heat should be fine. Like we, uh, we show that we could perform really well there under the humid conditions. So I think the heat and humid is fine. And then we are known for doing a lot of volume. So, uh, I think yeah. the only, only issue is to learn to run slower. Like I need to run maybe three forty-five minute for the case instead of three minutes and do it for like two and a half hours instead of 30 minutes. So it's just to kind of uh, be aware of that and kind of setting myself like pacing rules that don't go like 225 for the first K because that's yeah. <laughs> just, you know, like just pacing and be clever and nutrition as well. Do the nutrition so if you well. win, win the gold and hopefully this weekend, you take a 70.3 title, which would be, would be awesome. Uh, and then potentially in February, Ironman world championship. I, nobody has ever done like a triple like that, you know, this, this, basically this is a triple crown. Yeah. Potentially Olympic gold and 70.3 gold and Kona gold. That would, that would put you in a different stratosphere, my friend. Yeah. So that's uh, my big dream. Uh, so just crossing my fingers that uh, they will be able to uh, organize the event in February. Like it's still kind of unknown. I, but, uh, I will, I will do my preparation. So the plan now is because I have the extra time before Hawaii, I will actually put in one Ironman in Cozumel in uh, end of November to get the experience. It's probably going to be a little bit warm in humid condition there and uh, take that as a learning process for, for uh, Hawaii. For yeah. So you would do that end of November, even if Ironman's happening in February. Yeah, or well, for, for sure. It's uh, uh 
good timing, I guess. Like it's yes. a, a month and a half. Uh, what's up? No, two, two, two and a half months. In, yeah, November. In, in, yeah, it's early. I think it's February fifth. So not a lot. It's two. Yeah, a little two months. Yeah, so I think it's really good to get the get one race under the belt, mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, yeah, go for Hawaii. So do, do some altitude before both the Cozumel and uh, Kona and also the heat prep before each of the races. And uh, I think it will be fine. I love it. Hey, Christian, I always enjoy our conversations. You you are a bright light in our sport, my friend. Now, will you be, will the goal be Paris as well? Yeah, so that's the plan. Like I have sub seven, the Phoenix sub seven next year. Yes, then, that's right. And then I'm keen to, because I'm doing so much preparation for the sub seven that why not just doing uh, Hawaii again in October 2022? And then I will use uh, 23 to get back into the Olympic rankings, do some, do a lot of Super League races to get the speed in and the transitions in, and then giving it a go for Paris in 24 again. Yeah, what's hard is that with it being 20, it's only a couple of years away. You yeah, normally, yeah. we would have been 2020, you would have had a four year buildup, but no, you, you're, you've already lost a year. Even the ranking starts next year. Exactly. So the ranking starts next year. So, uh, uh, but I think if I'm kind of in a good shape and being able to race well in 2023, it should be fine for getting inside the top 30 on the rankings. Love it. Christian, thank you so much for taking time. I always appreciate chatting with you. Good luck uh, this Saturday at St. George. You're going to kill it, my friend. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> Christian Blumenfeld has been our guest, everybody. Gold medalist from Tokyo. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.